get started talking about service dogs. I'm going to say for veterans, but this is also can be for active duty, of course. So, and, and, you know, this applies, today's show applies for anybody with PTSD. What are the benefits of a dog? What does it look like um, for those with PTSD that do have a service dog? How can they help you? What tasks, what tasks could be trained? What's the difference between emotional support dog and service dog? We are going to tackle those questions today. So let me know if you think of any as we're going through. Please keep in mind as we're doing this too, if there's anybody you know, a veteran or not, that is suffering from PTSD, have them apply uh, to our Healing Hearts, the number for the letter E, healinghearts.com. They can apply for a dog like Spud. Um, we do donate trained service dogs to those in need. So um, you can jump on over and do that as well. PTSD is a leading cause of impaired quality of life and functioning among veterans. From 11 to 20% of veterans could be, um, that, that have served in Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts have, PT, have PTSD in a given year. And that is according to the Veteran Affairs. So that's a fairly significant number. Um, unfortunately, suicide rates among veterans is very high. So the goal is to provide relief to them through the power of uh, through the power of a dog. PTSD in veterans. A wide variety of symptoms may be signs that you're experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. The following are some of the most common symptoms of PTSD that you or those around you may have noticed. So, you know, what, what are these symptoms and signs? It's really important to know what they are so that we can train a dog to help that. So feeling upset by things that remind you of what happened, having nightmares, vivid memories, or flashbacks of the event that make you feel like it's happening all over again. So you're kind of stuck in this loop of reliving it constantly, which sounds like uh, hell, honestly. Um, feeling emotionally cut off from others. You don't feel like you can relate anymore because you've gone through this significant trauma. Feeling numb or losing interest in things you used to care about feeling constantly on guard, feeling irritated or having angry outbursts, having difficulty sleeping, have, having trouble concentrating, and being jumpy or easily startled are some very common symptoms for those dealing with uh, PTSD. So also with symptoms though, it can affect other things in their life. It's not just the symptoms um, of the PTSD, but also how they may react to the symptoms that can disrupt their life. So they frequently avoid places or things. They become isolated. I mean, this is really, really sad that this is happening, that you know, these men and women and their families are sacrificing for our freedom and they come home and they feel like they can't go to, to the grocery store. So um, you know, avoiding places, events, and things because it's just too overwhelming is very common. Um, constantly, consistently drink or use drugs to numb your feelings, considering harming yourself or others. And I, I did say suicide amongst veterans with PTSD is significantly high, unfortunately. Start working all the time to occupy your mind. So they kind of just drown themselves in work or they pull away from other people and become isolated. This is especially difficult when men or women come home to their partner and they come home a very different person and trying to adjust to that reality. Uh, marriages are broken, 
divorces happen. Um, it, it's a it's a struggle um, that I think so many keep hidden and silent. So, what are the difference between a service dog? So the question is ultimately, how can we help? What is the difference between a service dog versus an emotional support animal? It's really important to know the difference, to talk about the difference. Um, and especially if you're looking for a dog to help you, that you know the differences of these as well, so that you're not asking for something you actually don't want. So a service dog is covered by the ADA. They're specifically trained to help mitigate a disease or condition. In this case, it would be PTSD. Um, they trained, the trained tasks are evident and seen. So you could give a dog a task on command and you can see that they are able to perform that function. Typically service dogs, to be considered a service dog, it's at least two tasks are trained. Um, they need to be realistic and reasonable. Dogs can't tell time. There's just things that dogs cannot do and it's unfair to ask a dog to, to work for you in 15 different ways as well. So when we're looking for our recipients for our healing hearts, that is something we keep in mind. Are the expectations realistic and is it fair to the dog? Um, and, you know, so that we don't set the dog up or our client up to fail. Airplanes are not covered by ADA. They can technically refuse you to get on the airplane, but typically they do follow ADA standards and allow service dogs on the airplane. Emotional support animal, an ESA, is a pet. They're not trained specifically. They don't have rights. They haven't received public access training. Um, they're just a pet. And so we just need to keep in mind, if you're, if you're going around asking for a therapy dog or emotional support animal, but you really mean service dog, we need to make sure you're using the correct verbiage and you need and are asking for a service dog. If you just want a reliable family companion or pet, then you can say emotional support animal. The big difference is if you're going to a breeder that does uh, produce service facility therapy dogs, ESAs, it is important that we're choosing a puppy, you know, a proper candidate um, that, we're, that we're honoring the dog and the breed. Think about the breed. We want a dog that's really human focused, that really, really wants to work with and for their human. And then within the breed, we need to choose the right puppy because not all dogs are fit or up for this kind of work. There are dogs that are a little more independent. Um, they could have confidence issues. Things we specifically look for when placing for our PTSD dogs is uh, high confidence, so that they have the confidence to perform the tasks at hand, especially if you had to think about if the human is having confidence issues in public, we can't place them with the dog that has confidence issues in public. Now we're gonna have two anxious beings and they're not gonna be able to help each other, they're gonna feed off of each other. So we need a, a highly confident dog that's fairly, in a way, laid back, easygoing, bomb-proof. Um, solid nerve strength, so they're able to handle the stacked stress of working out in public, managing their human, um, and working with unpredictability and unreliability out in public. Human focus, we really need a puppy that or a dog that, that is truly human focused. Like they already have this innate desire to work with and for their human. That foundation's already been laid. You can't make a dog be something they're not, just like you can't make a person be someone that they're not. And so truly honoring the puppy initially is really crucial to making this a successful placement and match. We want them somewhat tender-hearted. Puppies that are highly, highly tender-hearted, what that means, a tender-hearted uh, trait, this is based on our own uh, Empowered Badass Breeder puppy evaluations that I developed and devised. 
um, and we really focus on 12 temperament traits. One of them we call tenderheartedness. Don't be confused by um, if they're low tenderhearted, that means the dog won't love you, won't bond with you, won't want to be with you. What the tenderhearted score means is how much do they, how much are your feelings and emotions, how much does that influence them? How much are they affected by that? Do they feel responsible for your human, intense human emotions? So if there's a lot of intense human emotions, which can happen with someone with PTSD, we don't want a highly tender-hearted dog because it just breaks them down over time and gives them anxiety and a feeling of worthlessness, essentially, because they feel like I should be able to help you and I can't. Um, and so we just don't want that tender of a puppy, that sensitive of a puppy to human emotions. But a little bit is good because we want them to be really in tune with their human, their handler, right? So a little bit of tenderhearted, but not really, really tenderhearted. We want high touch tolerance. They love all types of touch, especially when asking a dog to work out in public, even though they're not working for other people, they're working for their one handler. There's a lot of stimuli uh, with you know physical touch, whether it's putting a vest on, putting their shoes on, putting their gear on, they accidentally get their tail stepped on. People will just come up out of nowhere and start petting your dog, even though they're not supposed to. So there's a lot of... Um, human touch. Now, beyond just working in public, there is for their handler as well. One of the main things PTSD dogs are trained to do is what's called DPT, deep pressure therapy, to lay on you, to lean on you, to provide some type of pressure using their body weight. And so we really need a dog that loves all types of handling, loves that kind of affection truly and not all dogs do some dogs are very very happy just being with an eyesight they don't need to all be up in your business some dogs do have personal space others do not and so we prefer dogs that have no personal space like mr spuddy duddy he has no personal space uh that he's this is the dog that's going to be placed today well throughout the weekend um, and these were things we chose him specifically for as well um, he has high touch tolerance, low sight and sound sensitivity. That's the last one we look for. If we're asking a dog to be steady and bomb proof with a handler that does have high sight and sound sensitivity due to events of being uh, placed overseas, typically it's uh, hearing something that sounds like a gunshot, um, a car backfiring can, can send uh, someone with PTSD in a spiral. And so we need a dog that's also not going to spiral because they're sound sensitive. So we really need low sight and sound sensitivity when placing um, with PTSD work. So those are things we look for. That's the difference between a service dog and an ESA. Those temperament traits should be for either ESA or service dog. But the service dog then goes into training and is trained for, you know, the earliest we place them is one years old. So from eight weeks old to one year, they are in training specifically to perform these tasks and uh, for high obedience and public access work. And it's giving them life skills. You know, they really need to experience things over and over so that when they are with their handler, um, they've been given the necessary life skills. They're, they're um, flexible, adaptable. They've seen a lot already and have experienced a lot. And that has been managed with one of our trainers to, um, to ensure the successful placement. So, all right. So the benefits of a PTSD, uh, PTSD dog is, where is my slide, you guys? I lost my slide.
Let me just read these off here. I thought I was all... All right, here we are. So the benefits are um, grounding their handler during a flashback. So that could be uh, depressure therapy as well. It could be separate. Um, sometimes there's a handle on a dog, even something that, that the handler can focus on, like an actual handle on the vest can be life-changing or a tether strap that they can grab and hold and focus on the dog can really help lessen the severity of a flashback for someone suffering with PTSD. Guiding the handler home during a dissociative episode, that's a, a more advanced training that takes a lot longer. So you have to always weigh and, and there's not a lot of trainers that can train that kind of work. And so you have to really weigh, are your expectations realistic? Um, and then being able to get a dog that can do that and a trainer that's been able to train that, that's another whole ball game. Um, initiating tactile intervention when a handler experiences sensory overload. So a dog can be specifically trained to, again, interrupt any, if you start rocking, if you start tapping, if you're agitated, because a trainer can mimic that, right? Like I can mimic rock, rocking or tapping my foot or tapping my hand, you know, my fingers. I can replicate that so we can train with consistency when a dog sees that to break that up, to disrupt that behavior, which the goal is then to help their handler refocus and come out of these episodes faster and that they're not as severe because the dog is there trying to interrupt and refocus you uh, before you know, you spiral too deep and it becomes a much more difficult um, episode. They can be retrieved or trained to retrieve medication, of course, especially for our golden retriever breeds or hybrid breeds because they love to carry things and they love to fetch. Deep pressure therapy, when the handler's having a night terror, they can, again, we can replicate tossing and turning, uh, making noises in our sleep that could replicate a night terror and then the dog would jump up on the bed and apply deep pressure therapy. Um, help to refocus human when feeling triggered, giving them greater freedom in public and social events. So they just get this overall sense of safety. They have the dog there that can do body blocking. Um, that's another one of the things that can be trained. And that just means the dog stands in between you and someone else. So if someone gets too close to you, the dog... Well, so, over time, we'll just automatically stand in front of you. Um, before that relationship really solidifies and they do it naturally, you can give them a command um, and they can stand in front of you on either side of you or behind you on a given command to, to create that barrier so that you can maintain focus without, you know, um, getting too anxious and going into an episode or a flashback. Body blocking I just talked about can be trained to help provide that sense of security and it helps give veterans a purpose through the care and exercise of a dog. We know the health benefits that have been talked about of lowering blood pressure, creating greater happiness, having that bond with the dog um, and, you know, the, the physical um, benefits of owning a dog. And that is the goal when placing with, with veterans or anybody suffering with PTSD is really helping them give them something to ground them, give them a greater purpose by taking care of a dog and having a dog that's been specifically chosen for this type of work. These dogs just have this innate ability to read human emotions. They, they desire and want to have that very, very deep bond with their human. You know, they get attached very deeply to their human and that alone can really change someone's life. Not even someone with PTSD, but you and me as well if you don't have PTSD. So 
there you have it. Happy Veterans Day. Uh, what a special day it is today. Not only celebrating Veterans Day, um, but working through SPUD's placement with active duty military this weekend. Thank you to all that have served for our freedom. We need to always remember freedom is not free. I thank you personally from the bottom of my heart for your sacrifices to this country. I am from a military family. My grandpa served, my dad served, my brother served, and my stepson served. So it is something that means a lot to me and I don't take for granted. Happy Friday, everybody.